Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Red Envelope. On the show today with us is Lucy Chapman, the CEO and co-founder of Zest Money, the largest and fastest-growing consumer lending fintech company in India. Apart from an amazing journey, which we will let Lizzie talk about, she has also won various women in fintech awards and a superstar in the space. If you ask me, I'll just say, win a billion of these fintech awards. Doesn't matter if you're a man or woman; she just kicks ass. <laughs> anyway, so welcome to the show, Lizzie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Now, you had quite a journey that started from medical microbiology. To Goldman Sachs in London, and followed by journey across the globe to India, which eventually leading you to co-found the Zest Money. Can you share with us your story on how that all came about and why India? Sure.、Um, so it's not as random as it might look,、um, but like all good stories, a lot of、uh, fate and taking opportunities that presented themselves.、Um, so yeah, I started at Goldman Sachs after studying microbiology, and I was actually a biotechnology analyst. So that's what I mean—not completely random.、Um, and I loved that, and I learned a lot. And then I ended up becoming a banks analyst in equity research, and then investing in banks. And during that time, invested in a lot of Indian banks, and I was struck by how small they were compared to the global banks, and how low the exposure was, particularly to consumer lending.、Um, and this was a time when actually、uh, fintech was taking off around the world. You had big companies being built, especially in the U.S., in the spaces of digital lending and payments. Um, and yet, in India, people were still focusing on brick and mortar and building out physical branches. And I think I saw a really big opportunity.、Um, but rather than do anything at that point, I decided to join a startup in London called Wanga, which is very infamous in the digital lending space.、Um, and that was just to learn a bit more about fintech. I was fascinated by it.、Um, and that's an advice I give to people that say, you know, should I start up or should I? Join a startup. I don't think it ever hurts to get more work experience.、Um, and during my time at Wanga, I learned a lot, and I got the opportunity to go out to India and see if we could adapt our models and our products for the India market. And I spent about two and a half years on the ground in stealth, top secret,、uh, trying to build a digital lending business. This was in 2012.、Um, and then Wanga had its own set of challenges, which I think are now. Well known to anybody in the fintech community, but I'm still very grateful for that opportunity because I fell in love with India and I really saw a huge, huge, huge opportunity—not just to build a kind of sexy fintech product, but actually to genuinely impact in a positive way the lives of millions of people by using technology. To distribute financial services in a more efficient and effective way than banks were doing at that time,、uh, so I stuck around. It's been, I guess, nearly seven and a half years now,、um, and I never could have predicted how exciting a fintech market India would turn out to be. I think it's the best place in the world to build fintech products, and I hope we'll talk about that today.、Um, but yeah, we we actually. Got together as a team to build this money about three and a half years ago.、Uh, mostly ex Wanga people.、Uh, very fortunate to to work with a bunch of real, you know, brilliant people at Wanga. A lot of them were Indian or from India, and we're happy to come back. And so,、uh, great timing. We all got back together, and we've just been, yeah, riding a wave of 
mass digital financial adoption over the last kind of three and a half years in this market. Um, and just to give you like, you know, a couple of stats on why India, uh, obviously it's a big country. We have a lot of people, but most of all, we have a lot of digital consumers. And I think the Indian consumer is one of the fastest to adopt digital products in the world. People are incredibly tech savvy and comfortable with technology. Um, and at the same time, they're actually very uh, discerning <laughs> in the services and products that they use. They're very price sensitive. Um, and that means they don't like a lot of the things that traditional financial products do, like hide the fees or be non-transparent about pricing. Um, and that means fintech products work really well because we can really uh, play on that transparency and fairness point and provide products that are just much, much, much more consumer friendly than traditional providers are uh, delivering. Um, and so you probably know this, but there are less than 30 million credit cards in issuance in this country. And yet we have nearly a billion people who are using digital bank accounts. And that's basically the gap that we see. We think that there is room for new credit products. Uh, and we talk about like the sachetization of credit in India. We think that credit needs to be small ticket. It needs to be easily available to everybody uh, and contextually. So provided alongside a transaction. We actually don't think that Indian people need more loans. You know, big, heavy credit cards and personal loans are probably not the right product for this market. And therefore, we are designing uh, much smaller, lighter and more consumer friendly credit products. Lizzie, that's awesome. Uh, some great facts there. Um, I'm a big fan of emerging technologies and, and uh achieving impact at scale. Uh, uh, that's something that we focus on with uh, Green Shores as well, uh, the investment fund that I run. Um, one of the uh, key areas you touched upon is um, transparency with, with several technologies coming through that you can provide that, uh, which wasn't possible in the legacy world. Uh, but in, in general, so there are several opportunities um, in financial inclusion with emerging technologies. So for example, we could use blockchain for crop insurance yeah. just making this up um and that these are all big big markets in, yeah. in countries like india so yeah. let's take one simple tech here like artificial intelligence machine learning yeah. um and 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 the use of say perhaps data yeah. science um for underwriting um and uh credit evaluation of uh, borrowers, right? So what are the techniques that you use? Because um, I've, I mean, based on my, my conversations with several startups, that are, this space is really, really booming. Yeah. Quite a lot of cool Absolutely. ideas coming out there. So what are, what are yeah. the cool stuff you're doing uh, using, using data science? Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. That's exactly what we're doing. Um, so you're right. I think that um, it is a classic chicken and egg market when it comes to credit. And you know what I mean by that is banks are still pretty conservative and traditional in the way that they do credit assessment and underwriting. And that means they depend heavily on very kind of traditional signals, i.e. a credit bureau score and salary proof, right? So proof of a kind of good, regular, high income. And guess what? That's a tiny percentage of the population that have those two things. And that means there's a huge, huge, huge population of people who could afford to service a loan uh, or, or need one, as you say, financial inclusion, but they don't have the proof that they are creditworthy 
be it a credit bureau score uh, or a salary slip because you know people have different ways of earning income in this market and that doesn't mean that they're not credit worthy and so what we do is try and break that kind of chicken and egg phenomenon i.e you need a credit score to get a loan but to get a loan you have to have a credit score <laughs> we say there are other indicators we can take a range of factors and data especially from our customers who are predominantly digital super users these are people who are using digital payments every day they're transacting on whatsapp all day long they're using you know social data and so it's not difficult for us to create a proxy model for their affordability and even their intent to repay a loan and that's what we use um, as you say AI and actually even more advanced machine learning effectively to do that the reason it works so brilliantly in a market like India is there are so many different data sets that apply to different populations and if you rely on a human and a kind of checklist human underwriting model you will implicitly build in a lot of bias into your systems and you will end up making you know very sort of linear checklist type of uh, credit policy and that's what banks you know typically done and that leaves out huge swathes of the population who are absolutely credit worthy but don't fall neatly into this kind of tick 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 box so what we've done is not just build advanced um, algorithms that can you know consume different data sets but we've even then meshed that into our products and we something we talk about is not just risk-based pricing which is a bit of a, a buzzword you know now in credit but we even talk about risk-based ux so what I mean by that is if we discover, you know, you're a super sophisticated customer with a credit bureau um, record, then we might not need to ask for a lot of other data points. If, however, you're somebody who's relatively new to financial services, but guess what? We actually have some transaction data about you from a wallet you've been using then you will actually experience a different product flow than, than the other guy. And what that means is we can be really adaptive and we can give customers the best possible user experience, but at the same time, get the right data um, that matches that customer from different data sources. And then we have these obviously, you know, immense data lakes, we now call them, uh, where we could compute in a millisecond uh, what, you know, what is the right, we actually have about eight different algorithms running at any one time on a customer. And we can use that to not just assess their credit worthiness, but also what is the right amount of credit limit we should give them? Uh, what is the right duration, the right term of loan? And what is the right pricing? Um, and that amount of complexity and, and decision making, you know, to be done in a millisecond, 24-7 real time, there really is no other way to do it, right? It's, it's not about replacing humans with machines. It's simply using technology to make better decisions um, instantly and give a better user experience. Thanks for that. So you do have a proprietary credit um, model. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. Uh, uh, just a curveball there. So, are you planning to kind of uh, provide that as a service to some of the more? Oh. <laughs> that is such a funny uh, topic to talk about. You, <laughs> you may, you may have guessed that. Uh, we have just realized that we, we could do that. I think, look, we, we decided from day one that the most important stack in our tech stack was, was going to be this proprietary. We actually call it a decision engine. It's a decisioning engine because it makes multiple decisions about um, a product. 
And so we built that obviously heavily from day one. It's completely in-house. We have a phenomenal team of, of uh, tech guys that have built that over time. And what we realized is a lot of people in this market, and not just in India, but across the region, have not made that same investment. They're still relying heavily on manual underwriting, unfortunately. So they may have a fantastic product or a great workflow, but the decision engine is still a human. And guess what? That's not very scalable. And we have realized in, in recent months, because we have been approached by many other companies, uh, that it is actually very scalable, what we've built. And so now we are working out ways that we could sort of package that as a service um, and potentially you know sell it and maybe not to other fintechs actually even think about the applicability to the insurance industry as you mentioned um, to even people in kind of savings mutual funds and even things like ride sharing right or car rental there's you know entire industries where this type of decisioning software is the need of the hour um, so yes we are working on that coming soon <laughs> We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking, information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore and innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. I think Arun had a, uh, a crystal ball right there. <laughs> or maybe he is actually up to something else. Don't know. Uh, uh, we should talk to him more, Lizzie. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about technology. Um, you know, whenever we talk about different ways of offering credits to people, you know, it, it's, it's obviously something that, you know, we can leverage technology for good, um, helping them live, you know, with less complexities, if you will, yes. and more. And, and a little bit easier life. And uh, however, when we talk about financial inclusion, another topic that always comes to mind is financial health, mm. right? Because, you know, just offering them credits is including yeah. them, giving them access to something that they didn't have otherwise. But yeah. how would we be able to ensure that they actually know what to do with the credit that they have yeah. and how do we make sure that, you know, they stay financially healthy. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of the things that you do as Ask Money um, to, to help them with that? Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you asked about that. We, we actually preach this a lot, especially to our team. Um, and we say, you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility. And, it, and it's true. Um, lending is easy. Responsible lending is, is actually quite hard. Um, the great thing is, you know, <laughs> we, we have seen this story play out. Um, I think coming from the, the background that we did and having seen a very fast growing lending business um, that, you know, maybe focus more on, on growth and not necessarily uh, putting limitations on that growth. We learned when we built Zest that we needed to build a model that would be sustainable and enduring and would basically create a pool of customers who we could have a, a long lifetime relationship with. Um, and it's a cliche, but it, you know, it's very easy to give away money. It's much more complex to get it back. And the way that you do that sustainably over time is by lending responsibly. Um, the tough thing in a market like this is that we are dealing with a lot of people who are, I would say, you know, credit naive. I mean, you know, it sounds a little bit patronizing, but they have not been 
exposed to the products that we are before. And therefore, it is our responsibility to do it in a way that is extremely transparent, extremely measured, um, very thoughtful, and actually, in some ways, a bit restrictive. Because um, as we have learned, you know, especially in, in other markets, once you open somebody up to the opportunities that credit can, can give them, uh, it can sometimes be tempting for them to take that to you know, the natural limit that they can get. And so I'm afraid it's our job to tell them what is the right amount. And that's why our ability to pay models or affordability models are the thing that we've probably invested in the most. They have to be very sensitive in a market like India. It's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, the opportunity that we're solving for is affordability. On the other hand, that's our biggest challenge. Incomes are low. Um, people want to buy expensive things, and it's our job to make sure that they meet in the middle in a safe and controlled way. So every single customer is ascribed a dynamic credit limit, and this credit limit is our assessment of what is the maximum outstanding they could ever have based on their current kind of income and affordability uh, situation. And in a market like India, we have to take into account the entire household in that assessment because we do find, unfortunately, that due to uh, lower you know, female participation in the workforce, often our borrower is supporting multiple family members. And so we have to make a sort of proxy model of what would be you know, the, the kind of sensitivity of that family to shocks in their income. Um, and again, that's all part of our proprietary technology. We've obviously invested in building those models over time. They're very accurate now. They're very sensitive. Um, and it actually means that we can now say with some accuracy, you know, Mr. X, this is the maximum credit limit that you should ever consider having at this time. Uh, if your salary increases or your you know, personal situation changes, we can review that. But this is what you know, we have assessed based on all the data that we have. Um, it's worked really, really well. It means that we don't kind of, I guess, aggressively drive customers to uh, take multiple loans at any one time. We prefer to have somebody you know, take a loan, learn, um, communicate with us and then over time we'll build up that relationship when we feel that they they're kind of comfortable and we're comfortable we spend a lot of time and money on education and the fantastic thing is that we now have so many tools to do that so we can send videos to our customers on whatsapp uh, data is the cheapest in the world in india and so we're really lucky to have the infrastructure to be able to communicate with our customer on you know various medium we run videos we use influencers to teach customers about credit scores um, and so we yeah we feel that it's our responsibility to give them that kind of education and communication um, but you know ultimately to build up that long-term relationship so that we are not just the first person they would turn to when they need credit, but also the first person they would repay whenever the month, the right time of month comes. Um, so yeah, we take that very, very seriously. Absolutely. Thanks, Lizzie. Sorry, I was trying to unmute and uh, uh, great. So um, uh, one of the things I've noticed over the last five years, at least, Lizzie, and I'm sure you have, you've been kind of uh, based there, so you should have seen this as well. India is one place where policy has, 
had a lot of impact on the innovation ecosystem, especially yeah. within fintech. And uh, yeah. the government has been really proactive, and I'm I'm very proud of uh, proud of this this one bit because uh, they brought about demonetization, whether it killed yeah. uh, uh, corruption or not, uh, is a different uh, argument. Uh, but it definitely helped digital payments, uh, whether it's it. There is a correlation or is it a causation? Again, that is debatable, but they definitely there was a alignment in timelines uh, from the point of demonetization Absolutely. to, uh, to, to uh, the, the boom of digital payments in India. So um, in, in that kind of uh, ecosystem, I have actually two questions here. One is, how do you think regulations and policies are going to kind of yes. affect your business? from yes. a lending perspective. The second is the big guy, Aadhaar, right? So he's, he's the huge, the elephant uh, in the room in, in some ways, yes. actually. So how is that going to help or affect your uh, your business? Yeah, yeah, no, um, you're right. I love that you guys are actually looking at it from you know an outside in. I think sometimes sitting within India, founders and, and entrepreneurs and, and policymakers forget how phenomenal and lucky we are to have the infrastructure that we do. Um, we, no matter what your political persuasion, I think we have to recognize that we have a government who have made a digital economy their agenda, right? And, and kind of told that to the world, right? So the, the power of having that message and that branding um, that India is open for digital business and will be built on digital infrastructure is incredibly powerful. And I agree with you. I think demonetization was part of that story. And like you say, whether or not it kind of eradicated corruption overnight, it's not really the point. I think what it did is tell the world and tell the Indian consumer, um, we, we care about digital. We want digital. We don't want cash in the economy. And I love that. Um, you know, we've adopted that so quickly. I can't tell you how dramatically things have changed in the last three years from a digital payments perspective. We also don't talk about it enough, but we have this incredible um, architecture, which is UPI or IMPS, which is the architecture it's built on. This is instant P2P, P2M, basically bank to bank, money transfer, 24 seven, 365 for free. Now, I don't think there's a country in the world that has such progressive architecture in its banking and payment systems. And the government built that. They took a bold decision about seven years ago to not wait for banks to catch up their legacy tech, because you'll be waiting for decades. Instead, they built a layer on top of that that basically enabled this instant payment system. And all of us founders and entrepreneurs in the country, I think, you know, should be just so grateful and actually be even more innovative than we are in terms of building layers on top of that. Um, so you won't be surprised. We have made UPI a core part of our repayments and collections infrastructure. And brilliantly, whether we like it or not, customers are telling us that they want to use that. So now nearly 50% of our payments come through that channel because customers love the ease and use and the, the, cheapness of that payment mechanism so i think we are so so lucky to be operating at this time we have a regulator who's actually surprisingly accessible they are very consultative um, they are regularly inviting fintechs to come and present to them to explain how they work i think that's really unusual in the world they do not behave in a knee-jerk way no matter what 
people might tell you. They tend to be uh, quite thought out in the way that they put out regulation. P2P lending has been brilliantly done. Um, from the beginning, they have put out suggested guidelines, proposed guidelines, asked for feedback. The community has given feedback. And we actually have a very safe P2P industry. We have not seen any kind of like Ponzi scheme type behavior. And I think that's really, really good because it's good for the ecosystem. It's good for the consumer and for trust. So yes, NetNet, I think we're super lucky. Um, ADA was one of the most audacious uh, infrastructure plans that they had. And again, I mean, phenomenal and incredible execution to be able to get a biometric database of over a billion people in literally a couple of years and build you know open apis on top of that to allow fintech companies financial services companies to authenticate their customers in a reliable and safe way is just incredible That's that's superb, Lizzie. Um, data is pretty much the lifeline of uh, credit scoring engines these days, especially in countries like India, where uh, credit bureaus are in mainstream for um, consumer lending. Um, okay, so we've touched upon um, the giant strides the country uh, that India has made in uh, fintech, especially over the past five years or so. Uh, just looking forward, I would like to ask you a final question, a closing question. Um, over the next five years, what are your plans with um, Zest Money and where are you going with it? So definitely expect us to start delivering other financial products um, in the same way, in a really, really kind of passionately pro-consumer um, and user experience friendly way. And then, fingers crossed, we will also um, find a, a, a clever and scalable way to bring the same solutions to other markets in the region. So I definitely think if we look forward sort of five years, we will be um, hopefully a household name, not just in India, but in a couple of other key markets as well. That is awesome. I can't wait for that. And I'm sure you know, very, very soon we will hear more about the world domination of Lizzie <laughs> and see you on keynote stage in the next Money 2020. That would be Yay! awesome, right? <laughs> well, so with that, thank you so much for spending time thank with you. us today. It's lovely to hear what's going on on the other side of the world and what we can learn from it. And uh, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you. Cheers, Lizzie. Okay.